You're listening to the FASD Success Show with Jeff Noble. And on today's podcast, we have an amazing interview today. And you're going to want to listen to this if you at some point had a fractured relationship, had a fractured relationship either inside the family unit or with your loved one on the spectrum. Today, we are going to be talking to Christine and Angelina Bofenkamp. We're going to talk about aha moments. And actually, we're going to talk about things that led Christine, the mom, to a path of learning, healing, and getting Angelina a diagnosis. We're going to talk about what it takes to have a turnaround to really get back from a really dark place into a place of acceptance and understanding and excellence. And I mean excellence because we're also going to hear from Angelina, the daughter of Christina, and she is such a great speaker and she's going to teach you a thing or two. I have no doubt. It's one of my favorite interviews yet, so let's get after it. Welcome to the FASD Success Show, the only podcast where you can get real-world information about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. This show will help you create calm in the chaos, have hope for the future, and more importantly, save your sanity so you don't lose your flippin' mind. Now, here's your host, caregiver turned world FASD educator, Jeff Noble. Oh, yes, yes, y'all. Welcome to the FASD Success Show. Tis I, Jeff Noble. I'm so glad you're here, whether this is your first episode or your 76th episode. I'm just so appreciative of the fact that you're using some of your spare time to come hang out with myself, listen to some awesome interviews, because this podcast is all about FASD success. And how do we create success? I tell you, we talk to people who are doing amazing things in the FASD community. And I'm hoping that by interviewing them, you learn some stuff and then maybe you change some stuff and then you get successful yourself. That is the point. So it doesn't matter if you're an individual on the spectrum, a caregiver on the spectrum, someone who works with individuals on the spectrum. This is important and this is the absolute place to be. So I really appreciate it. Let's get all this stuff right away so we can get right to the interview. First things first. Hey, if you dig what we're doing over here, please, by all means, if you could subscribe to the show, that would help us out. And it also helps you out. It helps you because as soon as we drop an episode, it'll go right to your smartphone. It'll say, hey, there's a new episode of the FASD Success Show. Check it out so you won't miss a single second. And it also helps us because it tells the algorithm, the people in the back, the computers, the beep boops, that people like the show and it is relevant and it is helpful. So when people like you are searching for FASD, the help the show is going to pop up and we want to help as many people as possible and if you even want to go a step further you can support the show by going to buymeacoffee.com slash FASD success and you can actually buy me a coffee and it supports the show. We could do a whole bunch of cool things and recently we just did a free Q&A and a webinar for folks and it allowed us to get a editor, Kevin. He's a great guy so we could just do some great things because you know the show's taking off. We're getting more and more listeners every single week so we just want to bring the best listening experience that we can. So that's buymeacoffee.com slash FASD success and it's just mustard Appreciate it, Mike. Okay, so, you know, usually I say, hey, what's going on? I'm awesome. I'm just going to leave you with this, okay? I'm just going to tell you this, that it is freaking hot. It's been hot out last week, and I know for sure that I am an absolute mother effing polar bear. Yeah, that's right. That's what I said. I do not like the heat. There's nothing about it that I like. You know what the worst is? You know, when you're trying to sleep, and it's awful, and you say, hey, Jeff, get an air conditioner. Well, we do. 
but we don't have like central air. So we have those stand up air conditioning units and it only reaches so far. And so, you know, because I have a little girl, I sacrifice my side. I don't like it. I don't like it. So those of you who are from all over the world that live in the heat and like the heat, what is wrong with you people? Oh my gosh, I'm glad I live in Northern Ontario, Canada, because I cannot wait. The fall's just around the corner. So I don't mean to scare you with that by saying, you know, the fall is just around the corner because that means school, means all sorts of things. But until then, until then, listen, man, let's get on track here. Let's dig into this interview. This is no joke. I had so many emotions doing this interview, listening back to the interview, even talking to you now, because we're going to be talking to Christine Bofenkamp, and then we're going to be joined by her daughter, Angelina. It's special to me because I've been working with, Christine has been part of our community for a couple of years now, and just the transformation has been unbelievable. The growth, I'm not taking any credit for it because she really put in the work to do this, but I've just seen like her at the lowest of lows. And now to see that she's, you know, starting a not-for-profit in her state of Kansas, she's really taking the bull by the horns. You know, she's involved with the FASD Respect Act, that awesome bill that hopefully is passed in the United States. And then her daughter, Angelina, who's just academically gifted she's on the spectrum but has so many challenges and she speaks and she speaks really well and she's going to speak to you guys and i ask her some questions anytime you see growth and you just see change and transformation it just gets me jacked like honest that is what i live for that is why i have a coaching program that is why i do what i do that is why i speak and i want as many people to know about fetal alcohol as possible because once you know man the sky's the limit in terms of the success you can have in your family so i want to get to it right now because let's not delay but i will tell you about christine so christine bofenkamp she's actually a freelance graphic designer and a writer she and her husband are raising angelina who is adopted through kinship care or like how christine likes to say as our family tree has a limb that curls right back in. So when she's not working with Angelina, she's actually pushing Kansas to do uh, way more with FASD. And again, she's building the nonprofit to build awareness for FASD. And we're going to be joined by Angelina, who's uber busy as well, maintaining a 4.2 GPA. Oh my goodness. Writing, reading, playing the flute, piano, piccolo. That just sounds badass. She excels. She really excels at rolling her eyes at her parents, right? <laughs> Thanks, Yvonne, for writing that for me. I couldn't come up with a gem like that. You guys will just enjoy, feel good, but they are going to drop some knowledge bombs. So take heed at what they are saying because where they are now is far from where they've been. And if you find yourself right now in that valley, in that dip, and you don't feel good about your relationships with either your kids or your family, listen up because this is going to be awesome. You're awesome. I'm ready. Are you ready? All right, let's go. Hey, everybody, here I am with my friend. I'm going to call you a friend now, Christine Bofenkamp. Christine, thanks for joining me on the show, buddy. Thanks for having me. You know what? I wouldn't have it any other way. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm stoked. I'm always looking for good stories, always looking to have good people give insight into their journey so that the folks that are listening say, man, I could relate to this. You know, this is inspiring. And how long have we known each other now? What, like three years? So three years you've been in sort of the ecosystem, right? Yeah. The, the Caregiver Kickstart ecosystem. And I've just, again, watched your transformation. And we'll put that disclaimer. It's not all sunshine and rainbows every no. day. But it is a lot better than it has been. Can we say that? 
Absolutely. Okay, great. So in my statement, I say with the caregiver kickstart, which is our online coaching program, we do once a year, the sort of mission statement or our slogan is championing caregivers to have more good days at home and become awesome advocates in the community. And mm -hmm. I think we could stamp you with that, couldn't we? Absolutely. Okay, cool. Then, right on my forehead. <laughs> great, because we talked about this before. We were talking about my coaching program, but at the same time, it's like a fluff marketing piece. I want to keep it real. And so if we could say that, yeah, you're having better days and you're doing a way better at advocating, then we're fulfilling our end, which is excellent, but we're not blowing smoke up people's asses and saying it's going to be a wonderful bed of roses. And so I want to talk about that, but let's talk about you, dude. You are a writer. Yes. And you are, like, your relationship's unique with your daughter angeline how do you guys address each other like she's she's uh she <laughs> she is my daughter but she's also my first cousin once removed so our family tree kind of curls right back in <laughs> yes okay but that's not as obscure as we might think with how it works with kids on the spectrum going with kin so that's an interesting story so first of all so you're a writer and how did you acquire your daughter tell me well, a little bit about that story you know what it is a really interesting and unique story which i've actually started writing about Good. <laughs> but in 2004 her mother was actually getting married and i was at the night before so the night before she was getting married we were doing tequila shots in hawaii and we're shooting these tequila shots and her mom decides to tell me that she's pregnant Mm -hmm. And I smack a tequila shot right out of her hands. And I'm like, what are you doing? Because she knows better and she knew she knew better. But that was kind of the beginning of our journey. And I didn't know how much I was going to be involved, but I was appalled. And we moved on from that because there wasn't much I could do to help her from right. there. Sure. And then at the end of that year, so about 10 days before Angelina turned one, they were visiting our family and there was an incident that happened where Angelina probably should have gone directly into foster care from that incident. And uh, I called up my now husband, who was about seven months, eight months into dating. And I said, what would you do if I brought a one-year-old home with us? And he said, I'm down. So my husband, Dave, is really good guy. <laughs> but yeah, he said, I'm down. And then what, seven years later, that was the exact situation we faced. Right. We are a birth mom positive yep. podcast. And so was guardianship or acquisition? Was it okayed by mom? Like what the? No. Okay. So was there legal stuff? Yes. And then placed with kinship, correct? No. No. Placed mm -hmm. with, because uh, I know you want to, there's some privacy issues. I totally understand that. I just want to make sure that we're not projecting like she was a bad mom. She did these things on purpose yep. because here's what we right? We always know that there's two patients, there's a mom and the kid, right? So, but subsequently it happened that you acquired this young lady, but when she was just, how old was she? Uh, she was nine. So she was nine years. When nine, she came to us. And yeah. yeah. Okay. So she's nine. And so if we plus seven. Yeah. She, 
Well, so she, she was just turning 10 the month that she came to us, but she was nine when she came to us. So 17 now? Yeah, she's 17. Get out of here, right? Eh? She's going to be happened. a senior in high school this year. Jeez Louise. Okay, okay. So because your initial reaction, we could just say you went right into your limbic system when you saw birth mom taking a shot. But what was your understanding? Did you have an understanding of FASD or was did you just know the general messaging that drinking while pregnant wasn't a good thing? You know, I had a general understanding and that was because I knew a prior situation that involved a diagnosis with FASD, but I also knew and saw the literature, even though even back then, like if it was 2004 was so long ago, um, but like even back then it was, no, 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 don't drink. You can't do that pregnant. What are you thinking? And um, that was just ingrained with me, but I mean, I'm a big rule follower, so. Oh, that's my wife, man. You can't break no rules. Yeah. I got it. I got it. Okay. Okay. So let's move on from that. So, and I'm going to assume you didn't really know what you were signing up for. Oh, no, no. (laughs) So, Kate, so she comes, right? Yeah. Nine years old. Were you a previous parent? No. No. Okay. So she showed up at our door and, and I realized, you know what? I decorated the room. I had done all the, you know, foster care homework and tried to do all the preparation. And the one thing I didn't look up is, what do you do with the nine-year-old? Yeah, like I had no idea. What do you do? What do you Uh, do with a nine-year-old? Like what well, what kind of book are they supposed to have? What kind of toy are they supposed to have? That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. And so I was starting in the middle where other parents have been raising these kids since babies. And I'm I'm asking like the baby questions to parents. Yeah. So it was it was a very new experience for people who were completely unprepared. Well, you came out a good place and and I'm sure you're the time that you spent with Angelina, did you appear just any typical nine year old? No. So you knew that there was something Oh we going- knew. Okay. Yeah. So but we knew. okay, that's fair. And before she came to us, we had social workers and a psychiatrist who both said she is on the spectrum. Okay. Fair but enough. she was not diagnosed while she was there because the person that was in charge of her thought that it would be too traumatic on top of everything else. And foster care is hard. And they were like, you can do it when you're down in your location in South Dakota. Right. Okay. That's that was a big mistake. <laughs> agreed. Agreed. But, and you know, they're all trying to do what they think is right with no training. That's basically, yep. that's basically what happened. Right. Okay. Yep. So, but even though you knew, you it's like you have no idea until mm-hmm. until you're in it now was there a honeymoon period give me a little bit about that early and then maybe when did we see like you're like holy hannah what's something's really up here you know what there was a honeymoon period for sure <laughs> the first time we really experienced something strange with angelina was when our golden retriever started having a seizure in front of us and he started having a seizure, which is terrifying for any kind of dog parent, just as oh, like a kid parent. My babies don't even get me started. Yeah, I, I know. I know. It's terrifying. And, mm. you know, Dave and I are on the floor. We're trying to handle all the bodily things that are happening. Well, you know, you don't know if your dog's going to make it through a seizure. Uh-huh. And we had paused what we were watching on TV. And, you know, we're, we're sobbing. We have things going down, you know, sure. tears coming down our eyes. And Angelina goes, uh, can we turn the movie back on? No comprehension 
of like the like the actual emotions going on in the room couldn't read she couldn't read that we were in such distress and i mean we were just blown away and i finally like i mean it happened one more time in that conversation because we tried to explain what a seizure was and she asked again because her gratification needed to be instant mm -hmm. her emotional level was so much smaller and I mean, at that point, we we doubted if you, you know, does she have emotions like, you know, because sure. empathy, like, like empathy. Yeah. Right. Is it, sure, is sure. it there at all? And we had to actually ask her to leave the room because it was so hard on us to have we, somebody watching. We and just yeah. nothing. <laughs> so we talk about values clashes. Right. And, you know, mm -hmm. I learned that from Diane Melbourne as she does the neurobehavioral model, pretty famous model. But one of the things that when I learned about it stuck out to me was the values clashes that mm -hmm. you clearly see the trauma that's going on and that you're witnessing. And for her not to pick up like that could seem like the most selfish, disingenuine thing on the planet. And again, you probably just had the biggest clash of your values. And are you kidding me moment? Oh, it was, it was terrifying though, too, because you're sure. trying to do a life or death situation. And then you have this new element in your family and you're just like terrified at like, wait, 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 what, it, what is this? I can't even identify it or process it because we've got this other thing going on. Yeah. And I mean, that, that wasn't even the first thing. One of our big steps I didn't even realize was a big step until, you know, I got more informed on things yeah. and that was she didn't learn how to tie her shoes until about 11. And that was after about a full year of me, like tying her shoes and teaching her how and doing it again and again and again. And probably by 11, she finally was able to do it so that they didn't keep on tying. But otherwise she was like, I want these shoes all the time. Cause I can't tie, I don't tie. And later I find out that that is a basic childhood marker yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. really for a five-year-old and that was like a big aha uh -huh. uh, so you didn't know the developmental of a no. even neurotypical so you just nope. kept at it and until you thought wait a minute you know four five or six when they are able to tie their own shoes because the crux of this is and one of the things one of the main things i want to talk to you about and you know the folks are going to hear angelina soon enough but just how intelligent she is and oh, how yes. articulate that she is. And I'm assuming that has been the theme throughout her life. Correct. And so you are speaking to someone who seems so with it and has it together and mm -hmm. that yet you're seeing these symptoms. So that th those years of trying to teach her what was going through your head, like she just wasn't getting it yet because you didn't know about the developmental timeline or she didn't want to lazy. Like what well, was... it came across as lazy okay. because she came so close or she could do one shoe sure. and then she couldn't do the other or she just couldn't even recognize when the shoe was untied to like fix it. So it wouldn't matter if she tripped on it. She just there were things that she just it didn't click. So I was like, oh man, she's lazy or she's, you know, she just is doing this. So we have to buy her Velcro shoes. And I mean, we didn't understand and grasp FAS sure. or FASD sure. because the information was greatly lacking. And I don't know that even the information I could have had access to would have pointed that out to me in any way. And the appearance of absolute competence. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. So even, if, even if the Angelina that you just got to meet about a week ago yeah, yeah. had walked up to you, 
you would have had doubts. Right. <laughs> if I agreed. you didn't know. And, and that's indicative of this entire population for a lot yeah. of our guys on the spectrum, which makes it dangerous, right? When they get in front of authority or they get in front of principals, judges, it, it appears that they have it all together. But well, what do we know about FASD is that intelligence is just one part of the brain. Correct. Right. And it takes a lot more brain domains to have the whole person function. And mm -hmm. little did you know, you were dealing with fine motor skills. Yep. And you had no idea. So the general society takes people at face value, right? Yep. So if you look normal, talk normal, then it is all willful, purposeful. And so you guys were kind of in that game, even though knowing that there was a bit of disability there. Yep. Well, and the entire time since we got her, we were fighting with the original state she came from to get permission to have her tested for FAS or to be here in the United States. It's under the umbrella of well, FASD. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we were like, we need to be tested so that we can see the right physicians. We had seen a neurologist, a psychiatrist, all these other different people. And they just kept saying she's a perfectly normal individual, normal child. And they just said, she's so pretty and she speaks so well. Mm -hmm. And why would you want her to have a label like that? You know, she obviously is smart enough to not need to be labeled. And it's like, so she can speak, but she can't tie her shoes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So just because it's invisible doesn't mean she needs supports and accommodations. And I wouldn't even know those words, Jeff, if it wasn't for the classes and the sure. taking. Mm -hmm. But, you know, she needed things and I knew she needed them but not even the highest level of the professionals I could get to would even think about the idea of putting that with her because of her level of cuteness. Yeah. And, you know, her, like her IQ, yeah. which we now know has nothing to do with it because it's yeah. a different operating part of the brain. Agreed, man. It's it's just one part of the brain for sure. And it takes, yeah. you know, all 10 to get through the day. What was dealing with the professionals? What was that like? If they were saying this, were, were they saying you are the issue or what were they saying was the reason for this or what you needed to do? Well, you know, the worst experience that I had was with the neurologist and he was actually from the Mayo Clinic. So I really expected to get some concrete answers, if not a recommendation of the next level of where we go to. Like this is, you know, I expected more from this person and it was the head pediatrician and a neurology professional. And he literally had my daughter high five him, which she almost missed his hand. She, ch he checked her reflexes in her knees and then immediately told her you're a hundred percent normal child and asked her to leave the room and then had a big argument with me, which ended in him saying, okay, well, which one of us has the label on their coat that says they're the doctor? Oh my God. Throat punch, right? Uh -huh. that, yeah. And I said, and I go, and which one of us maybe shouldn't. And I had to walk out of the room. <laughs> sure. And she had, uh, he had actually a psychologist that was with him that day. Cause they have to shadow different neurologists and just sure. to keep their education level yeah. up. And as soon as the doctor walked away from us, she slid us the business card and said, your daughter needs help. Please contact us. So despite what the doctor had to say, the other professional in the room said, no, she needs help. Yeah. What did it make you feel like that maybe you were crazy? Definitely. <laughs> yeah. You're definitely, as a parent of a child, 
that's on a spectrum. It's very isolating. You're on your own island. It's very lonely. There's no water. You can't get help. Not one person in your family even understands. And you're a helicopter parent to anybody who's looking. And there's one quote. It's not even a quote, but like there's one thing that I really live by that I learned too late in having Angelina and I wish I had wasted less time. So we're, that- we're so we're giving the goods to the people that might be newer on the journey. So folks, yes. listen up here. Okay. Yes, it, except it, it, I might be harsher. So that's okay. That's okay. Just, Give it. Just you do what you got to do. But it's if they treat you like they don't care, believe them. Mm. Because they don't. In terms of the professionals. So professionals, that includes neighbors, that includes friends, and that includes family that is unwilling to try to learn. And you know what? Until they're willing to put forth effort, all it does is hurt you and it hurts that kid, especially if they have needs and that the family needs to help with in order to be in those environments. And it's just not worth the extra all the time. It's too stressful on its own. Mm -hmm. Don't put more on your shoulders. And that also goes conversely, if they treat you like they care, believe them. So ah, because caregivers have a hard time doing that too, to the people who generally care, right? Mm -hmm. So when somebody shows that they actually care, I mean, I've had friends that have gone out of their way to learn about this on their own without my help to empathize and sympathize with what we go through so that they know and that they can support us and so that they can speak to me and understand that this is totally normal. Like this isn't just the Christine show. Like like, this isn't an island and you know, they made it so it was a party on the island. And so I wasn't so alone. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Because usually what happens is less the friends go away and yep. uh, the, the parent is more isolated dealing with what they're dealing with. And that's all they could think about. And that's all they could deal with. How yep. was with this going on at home and Dave still married you anyway, which is a bonus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what was We've that? We've been married for 15 years. Uh, congratulations, dude. Thanks. What was that like? I don't need all the nitty gritty, but was there back and forth was it did you fight were you on the same page you know what it was hard because again one of us knew more information than the other uh-huh, uh-huh. and it kind of goes with that saying i just taught you but like when it's your significant other you're gonna try and you're gonna try and you're gonna try but it's not until they are ready to learn it that they're gonna do it and you know what I don't fault my husband at all because I am the main caregiver Mm. for Angelina and he is the breadwinner for sure because she does, she requires a lot of work and a lot of everything. So I'm 24 seven with her mm -hmm. now. So you know what? He's got to do all the work. He doesn't need to necessarily be here for all the dirt. Right. Like he's grinding on his, like he's grinding to make sure Uh you guys got a chance getting access to all these things. But I can't tell you how amazing it was when he participated in learning with me so that he could better understand our daughter. And that was a really big turning point in our success in our own home and even our success in our marriage, because it was more focused on making things work better, which made our communication better. It made arguments less and we were more of a team. 
Yeah, and, he would uh, sit right off camera, which happens for a lot of our parents, you know, in our coaching yep. program. But yeah, absolutely. Dave would be right there. And also we would ask questions, which is it's awesome. It's really is awesome to see. But you're also what makes it tough. She's intellectually sharp other areas of dysfunction. We know that there's uh, from Dr. Popova's work that there's over 428 co-concurring conditions. Dr. Yep. Mellis said there isn't an organ in the body that isn't impacted by, ne by prenatal alcohol exposure. What is, because she has a something significant too. What is it called again? Yes. Angelina is a celiac. Okay. So and what celiac, is that? So that means her body can't digest wheat is the big one. People like to make that more of an analogy so other people can understand and they say they're allergic to wheat, but that's not it. In your small intestines, you have these really cool things called cilia and they actually absorb the nutrients that your body needs to live on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. If you're a celiac and you are consuming wheat, you're actually killing the cilia okay. so that you are not getting the right nutrition in your body, which means you're gonna have tons of problems for your whole digestive tract. And that can lead to cancers, that can lead to bowel obstructions, that can lead to not being able to digest things for the rest of your life, like dairy, you know, much bigger problems. <laughs> and then when you combine that with impulse control, which is one of the big things for our kids, I've got a kid who loves to steal food. And that's one of the foods she loves to steal because it's one of the foods she can't have. So she is stealing. So not only are you yep. fighting against the condition, you're mm -hmm. fighting against Angelina to help her manage this condition because it's not yep. like she's, all, you know, oh, okay, I got this thing. I got to, you know, I'm on board, mom. Let's do this. Correct. So you're now fighting, not in terms of her, but her brain and her impulse, yep. right? Impulse, confabulation. And so you're trying to keep her healthy and safe while she's almost working against you. Like, yes. tell us, what is that like? It is impossibly frustrating. And it's hard because when you are talking to her about it, you feel like you're talking to like a 20 something year old, yeah. but you know, your reasoning with somebody who's maybe at like the impulsiveness yeah. of like a six or a five year old, like sure. I'm going to take it. I want it. I'm going to get it. Yeah. I mean, she has broken into our room. <laughs> right. I mean, we have to store food in our room. Like, I mean, it is impossible to keep it from her. You know, it's incredibly infuriating. It's almost like working with two separate people because you have to communicate with this person that's very smart, but you also have to appease this tiny human that also exists in here. Sure. So it's, it is, it's almost like two different personalities sometimes, and it depends which one is turned on at the time. And so what then, what then is it like working with the professionals? Because you're like, okay, they're making these recommendations. And mm -hmm. then at the same time, you're saying, well, but she does this, 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 and this. Yeah. Well, and when we traditionally go to a professional, we have a problem with confabulation Yep. because she is stressed and she also um, doesn't want to feel like she's not, you know, succeeding. It's actual lying and some confabulation because she's embarrassed. But we've had doctors now that just said, there's nothing we can do if she is unwilling to participate in the process. Or unable. Or unable. Right. Yeah, that's a better way to put that. Because yeah, yeah. it's a symptom of the behavior. You know, it's yeah. a symptom of FAS. But so. you didn't always think that way. No, I didn't. No, no. no I remember lots of conversations nope. to no fault of It was of so frustrating, Jeff. 
so okay because not that because obviously what we do in coaching is obviously confidential but for the purpose of the narrative here would you say one of the hardest things was releasing that that it wasn't willful and purposeful like because now you're using words like accommodation and confabulation which before could be a lazy manipulative unmotivated confabulation lying right Mm because confabulation is a memory issue which could definitely appear like lying yep was that the hardest part releasing that you know that was hard it is hard partially because of her intelligence level Mm -hmm. i get that man and you get that more now because you've gotten to speak with yeah, her. Yeah. That was super hard. And I could get, and I saw how other parents were just shaking their head and they're like, oh yeah, I totally get this. This is a hundred percent our kid. And I was just like, no, like, no, like, and I just remember thinking, I was like, mm. <laughs> so I was very unwilling. <laughs> so, but no, I do get it. And yeah. I'm had the access to the information and I had to stew on it too, just like anybody else. And I've come around to a lot of different situations and I've seen a lot of other parents and it's made me realize that, Hey, Jeff's right. I don't think so. The information is right. I uh, I don't want to make it the cult of Jeff because, uh, you know, I love to empower you to Mm -hmm. say, okay, this is the information because I always say this is where I got it and this is yep. why it makes sense to me and you know this is why you we might see your kids do that and to couple that with that you are the expert on your kid and I'm not mm-hmm. but that's hard to make that shift you know that paradigm shift and it's oh, not yes. and you have to work on it daily and that's why we do two calls a week man for yep. a reason because if you don't you could slip back it's easy it's you're constantly training your brain and you've thought you know I don't know how old you are but for so many years you thought a certain way and now yep. here comes me saying, hey, change the way you're thinking, even though it looks like willful, manipulative. Yep. Yeah, I get that. And that's the importance of education. Mm-hmm. That's the importance of community. What are some of your aha moments that you had in terms of education? And then I want you to tell the podcast listeners what you told our group about the importance of community. So because we want to teach some people some stuff. So we want to give them some value here. So what were a few of your aha moments that you were like, oh, bingo? You know, one of my biggest aha moments had to really be hit into my head as well. And it was also, oh, man, I'm kind of mad at Jeff moment. (laughs) Yeah, that's what happens. And it took about a good like, I don't know, year and a half for me to really kind of try to use it or put it into place. What, dude, you didn't, you were mad at me for a year and a half and you didn't say anything? No, 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 not (laughs) mad at you for a year and a half, but like the teaching and the practice, like the challenging, but the challenging of your thinking sometimes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, because I don't always, I don't always just sit there and go, oh, and uh, right. Okay, fair enough. So the hardest lesson by far for myself to embrace was to keep my own mouth shut in moments Mm. where things were too heated. And like, you know, it's in those moments that I also forgot her other diagnosis, which is auditory memory dysfunction and Mm. sequential processing disorder. But like, because she is so vocal and she is asking questions during that moment, even though she's not spazzing out at us because she handles things differently. It's hard not to respond like an adult to her because it sounds like she can get it. So it was almost like, how can I not talk to her? And you know what? I tell you what, keeping my mouth shut was so hard. (laughs) 
Yeah, talk less, right? We want to lecture and we want to, because that's in our nature to work things out with words. Yeah. And all we do is we put more in their head. And it, it, you just said she has a sequential issue, like sequencing, right? And exactly yep. executive functioning, which we know is a primary deficit for yep. a, a lot of our guys on, on the spectrum. And you also said memory or auditory. What was auditory memory dysfunction? Okay, so forgetting also what you on even, that. Yeah, so <laughs> you're fighting all this. I would say the second biggest aha moment was how much I needed other people to be successful. And I didn't realize how much I needed other people to be able to run my life and be happy. Great segue. That's You're the welcome. That's the importance of community. Correct. Um, and it's one of the things we teach. So when I say I teach, I didn't make this up, right? So nope. I get my stuff in the model we use is the FASD community of practice. That's training, respite, grief and loss, and coaching and, and support. And so you're saying, commiserating, commiserating, but also hearing other people. And again, you know, we have these calls. Well, you said something on the call the other day of why it was important. You shared it with your therapist because I don't sit there and pretend that I am a therapist because I'm not a doctor, yep. lawyer, or social worker, right? So yep. we do coaching, you know, mentoring. But do you mind sharing that right now with our audience? Because it was a great analogy. I definitely uh, can. And let me preface this, folks. I'm not saying like just jump on our train and join us, but just the overall importance of good community of people who get it. That's the point I'm trying to make here. So Absolutely. go ahead, Christine. So I met with my psychiatrist and one of the first questions they ask you before throwing medications at you is, you know, how's therapy going? And oftentimes they don't even remember if you're seeing therapist or anything, they're busy people. And I said, well, you know, I don't know, I'm not really in therapy, but I'm in therapy. You know, it's kind of a mixed thing. And she goes, you're going to have to explain that better. And I said, well, I'm in a group that meets twice a week and we talk about the things that are important to us in our lives. And, you know, we really understand each other. And she's like, but is that therapy? And I said, well, and I go, let's imagine you had blue skin. And I said, it would be so lonely to be the only person you've ever known that has blue skin. Very isolating. You wouldn't know anything about it. All the doctors kind of turn you away at the door because they don't know anything about it. It's just a scary world. And I was like, now imagine if you found a community, whether that was in your state, in your country, or even throughout the world, and you found like a group of even 19 people that also had blue skin that could empathize and understand what it was like to be that isolated and on your own island, how great would that feel? And then I said, now apply that to being, instead of blue skin, the kind of family you have because you have a family with somebody on the spectrum, or maybe you're an adult on the spectrum, mm -hmm. and you've been alone this whole time, and now you finally found people who get it, that can tell you stories that you really get, and you can talk to them, and they understand instead of telling you you're crazy. And it is the best feeling in the world. And she she goes, yes, I approve of this. This is definitely therapy. <laughs> well, that's that's good. And that's her words, not ours. Yep. What a great, and you blew everybody away on the call with that because that is the importance of being with other 
parents and families on the spectrum mm -hmm. and to tie it all together. And the reason is why it's important to be with other FASD parents because of the look normal, talk normal, the appearance of competence, other disabilities, hard is hard. I'm not trying to take that away, but you know, often I have parents talk to me or say that, you know, it would be easier if you could see it. You know, if Angelina had Down syndrome, you could see it. So automatically you check yourself. Yep. Right. Not to say that isn't hard. So don't folks don't at me. I'm not interested in that. I, I get it. The point I'm trying to make is it's important to be with others that get it because you feel better when you hear people are going through <laughs> a shittier time. It's true. I've heard it. It's OK yep. to say that. But also the ability to give back when you have those moments and, and, you're, and your energy level is good. So when you can learn so yeah. much from other people's experiences, mm -hmm. it just prepares you for future, too. And then you know that where your kid is helping somebody else whose kid is behind your age. So having a group really helps those behind us and it gives hope to them. Yeah. It's, and, and any kind of hope is so worth it. Yeah. And you make friends and you guys have a group and, and I'm just a curator of that. And you guys do a good job of helping each other out. And like, I like how you could show up in the worst of times and in the best of times, yep. other people are there to pick you up or you can help pick people up. So important. So this growth I've seen from you for all the way of gripping the old way of thinking and just hanging on. And that's totally okay. Everyone goes at their own journey to now, the more we know, the more we don't know. So we're not saying that you've got it and every day is a bright, shiny light, but you are also helping other people. And now, cause you go big or go home. I, I could tell that about you. <laughs> okay. So you were in South Dakota yep. and you moved to Kansas. Yeah, we did. And you found out what the system was worse there or what was, you know, well, the system, first of all, was pretty bleak in South Dakota, right? which I didn't get to tell. You want to have that one? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hit me up real quick. And then okay. we'll, I want to move on to the awesome stuff you're doing. Okay. So when we were in South Dakota and we were finally after about eight months, and this is like three years into South Dakota, we were able to get Angelina assessed professionally by a panel of people. At the end of it, we had a panel around a giant table and they had Angelina and I in the room and they looked at Angelina and they said, you know what, here's what is required for you to be under this umbrella. And mind you, this is a young kid, right? Mm -hmm. So she doesn't understand this very well, but they've got a cute little umbrella diagram. And they said, if you don't meet this requirement, you can't be any of these things underneath it because that's how it is here in the United States. Yep. And they said, and you don't meet the requirement. You are a normal child. You have no problems. And then I am like, <gasps> where Angelina went into these tests going, I don't have a problem. I'm not going to have a problem. And their delineation was that she is so smart that she should be able to overcome any of the things that would put her on this scale, oh my goodness! Which I was so angry about, and I mean, I was I was angry. Yeah, no, I was I, angry I, in that room, and they removed Angelina for the room because I asked them to, and I asked them many questions, and they just kept saying, and even the geneticist, she found facial features which they do grow out of, mm -hmm. so they didn't meet the requirements at that the previous age, and re she refused to look at photos when she was younger, when it would have been better to test her. And she just went to whatever the psychiatrist said. 
And Angelina was so good with the psychiatrist because we had been working with her on how to talk to strangers and like how to communicate with yeah, other no kids so that they like you and like what remorse really looks like, for instance, with our dog story so that she could mimic it because we knew she didn't have that. Sure. So we were trying to help her so that she could have friends. And she used that on the psychiatrist like a gem because that's, that's typical, man. Yeah, All the and words. We, and we taught her. Yeah. And not her. only did you teach her, but some of our guys go to so many professionals and counseling yep. and therapies that they learn all the words. They know what to say. Yep. How many times have they sold, told their story? Uh -huh. I was the exact same way. Even the first guy that I ever fostered, I worked with him before. And I remember thinking, why is he in care? Why does he need this? Like he uh -huh. is so capable. And then you learn about the other deficits. So job change, state change. Oh. Go back. Go back. Okay, let's go, go back. back. So we're still at the table. Yeah, back oh. that up. We are still at the table and they excuse themselves because they're done and they're going to go on to their merry way because I think they only do, if I'm correct, one child a month, max yeah. two a month. It, it takes a lot, yeah. Right, but they go out of the room, and but they provide me with this nice pamphlet of information on how to raise a child on the spectrum, but they can't diagnose her legally. Uh. You cannot be more angry than having a child that you cannot get any supports for. And there are so many parents in the United States and probably all around the world that cannot get the proper diagnosis to even start trying to get the right level of care. My gosh. Now, the fact that you didn't go John Wick on all of these people is a kudos to your self-regulation skills. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's I'm sorry you went through that, to be honest with you. Did that fuel you? Are we can we move to Kansas now? Yeah, we can move. <laughs> okay, so we moved to Kansas. The system wasn't great. You've done some good things. Tell us what you just did. I'm going to sh do a video. I've done a video. There's something going on in the US, the FASD Respect Act. You know, yep. We don't have to go through the whole thing. A 30 second of what it is and how did you get involved and then subsequently get politicians to sign in uh, to be an author on this? Well, I'm going to start with us moving here because this is exactly how I actually got jumped into this yeah. is we actually went to our first doctor's appointment here because we needed her yearly checkup and we needed blood work done. And when I was explaining her to our new pediatric physician that Angelina was on the spectrum, she did not know what we were talking about. And I asked her if she was FAS informed yep. and she was like, yeah. <laughs> and then she informed me that they don't have that problem here in Kansas. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. To which in my head, I'm like, what kind of vaccination do they have yeah. here that the rest of the world does not have? And so I asked her, I said, so are you telling me that nobody drinks here? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, or there's no pregnancies here? Because in my mind, I'm pulling up the CDC statistics that one in 20 children yeah, man. are, you know, they're in that classroom have FASD or on that spectrum. And that means if you apply that to her profession, that means every one in 20 children she sees is also on the spectrum and has a brain disability that she doesn't even recognize as being a real thing in a state that's almost 3 million people. And that is when I was like, okay, there is nothing here. And if there is nothing here, I wanna start something here. And I was thrilled when I found out that there was already a couple of moms and these are families 
that are raising people on the spectrum that want to start a nonprofit here. And I happened to contact them right at the time that the Respect Act is coming out and we just got thrown in to a big track of here's a senator, here's a representative. And I was like, let's do it. And I was, you know, I'm all in because I go big or I go home. Did you also feel that you had confidence of, because by this time now it's three years, you know, you're spending with us Mm -hmm. uh, confidence in what you, you knew what you were talking about. Yep. That, and I had a really special secret weapon and my special secret weapon was 100% in because one of the things that we've always worked with, with Angelina, she is a fantastic speaker and we have always been working with her because I write on her writing. So she's also becoming a really good writer. So we're going to get her on in a second, but let me bridge this here. There was a point where she was, you know, in South Dakota and she was in the mind that there was nothing wrong with her. Well, now she spoke at the meeting and we're going to hear actually everything she said in her own words. Mm -hmm. Where is this? transformation or her this beginning of understanding that she does in fact have these challenges like where where was her sort of level of understanding increased how'd that happen you know we had one really hard year with angelina and i'm almost really blessed that COVID happened and i know that's a terrible thing to say and i'm sorry for anybody who lost members of their family and how bad that affected everything however that made it so angelina had to be at home for schooling and because she wasn't faced with the everyday stresses of being a teenager Mm -hmm. trying to have friends when she doesn't have the emotional capability of even carrying a friendship there were just so many things that were so heavy on her that she was depressed she had anxiety i mean it was a really dark place so when she was able to be home and be able to kind of reconnect with who she was and then learn how to speak to others via zoom where you didn't have to pretend to be friends with people she started to really learn who she was and she started to be a little bit more curious about FAS because she's known for a long, long, long time that something wasn't right. And she recognized that she wasn't normal in a way, but she didn't know because you, how, how can you tell that you're different if that's the only experience you have? And she, that's, yeah, that's fair. That she, that's the, her brain. That's what she's lived yep. with her all her the whole life. I get that. Yep. So, you know, that's why we haven't lectured her unless she wanted to hear it. Or if we had to inform her so that she could understand it's just a symptom. But a lot of kids aren't ready to hear it until they're ready to hear it. And her hearing about this act and how little help the actual kids here have really made her want to speak up because I, you know, I let her know. And I said, Angelina, and I go, you have a voice and you speak so well that you have an ability to help kids and families on this spectrum that could never do this. And I was like, and hearing it from a kid on the spectrum has an effect that, I mean, it makes a mic drop in a room. You would hear pin. So she says what she says. Clearly it uh, resonated with a representative that you guys saw. What were you feeling listening to her? Well, I had to lead it in. So I let it in kind of with, you know, all the mom's perspective and like the parents perspective. 
And then I let her, from the kid's perspective, say the things that she struggled with. So we were kind of a duo team. Fair. Um, I knew what she was going to write, but when we both had to say it out loud and then in front of people we didn't know, I mean, we had tears yeah. because it is really hard to not, I mean, just from a, to admit sure. to people you don't know that my child is going to be a senior. Yeah. And she has a 3.9 GPA and every college would probably fish her down. Yeah. But she's not going to college next year and that we don't get to celebrate because she can't. Right. And, yeah. you know, I had tears in my eyes. Everybody's yeah, crying. Yeah. And then I hand the microphone to her and she tells everybody why she can't go to college. And to hear her say it, even though I'd heard it so many times, to see her say it and watch it. I mean, it was, it was so hard, but it was so good because yeah, I knew she was doing something so amazing for so many other people. So brave, right? Like just so brave, so brave yeah. to, to speak your truth to people because you're wondering how are they going to judge this? But kudos to you guys. You went for it and they signed on, right? Yep. We're going to play the interview on one of the episodes, but Jennifer Wisdell from NoFast uh, and also Susan Shepard Carlson are doing great work. But people, this is really gaining momentum. So I love that there was nothing and you said the heck with it and you're searching. And now because of that, there could be something before I bring her in, because what we'll do is we'll bring her in and then she could read her thing. And I'll ask her a few questions and we'll end it there because it's almost already an hour. But what would you say to a mom that was having that really hard year that you were and let's just say she's sitting on a park bench because we're social distancing so you sit on the other end of the bench you know it's a mom who's dealing with an individual on the spectrum what would you say what would you say there that's hard because it's easy to come up with something to say when you're on that other side than when you're there i have a favorite quote and it definitely helps me and i think it helps people that are ready to hear that things can get better and change. It's actually from Dave Hollis and it is, comfort is the casualty of growth. Meaning that if you wanna grow, if you want to expand your knowledge, if you want to create a stronger family and a better environment, you're gonna have to get uncomfortable first. And you know, that's what this part is. So when it hurts, this is going to start being real uncomfortable. Like I had to get real uncomfortable learning Jeff's stuff first and really address my own problems before I could address my own issues inside of my house. Sure. Sure. Like, so it was real uncomfortable to even, I guess, to approach and then to even sign up. Right. It wasn't out of a place of pleasure. <laughs> oh, to sign up? Yeah. That's what I mean. Oh, no, no, yeah. no. That's right. That's, I was like, that's what I, I said. Like, I get it. People don't come see me and, and register for my coaching course because, you know, they like me. I'm a cool guy, but let's, you know, you're in a certain place in your life. I'm going to help you get out of it. No, nope. like I found you because I was looking for support. I was looking for information. I was looking for help. But most of all, I was looking for a little bit of hope mm. because the information that was available to me. That's fair did not give you hope and you were kind of the gateway to the information and to the outlook that actually provided a level of help like help but also a vast amount of hope for these children oh, that's and that's what i needed as a parent on that bench in the front line mm. 
Very, very nice of you to say. So basically, you're saying I'm a gateway drug. That's fine. You're a good drug. I just joke. I just joke. That's very nice of you to say. I appreciate that. Now, let's bring her in. She's going to hear this, folks. So all the stuff that we talked about today, it's not like we didn't have her in. We just didn't want her to sit there and, and be bored. So she knows what you're talking about. It's not like we're doing this in secrecy. She's going to hear this. She's fully aware. So, okay. So we, before we bring her in, let's do what I like to call the shameless self-promotion section. What are you working on? You mentioned a nonprofit. Is that a thing now? Can people join up? Tell me about that. Well, right now in Kansas, because we have no support system whatsoever, and basically it takes one parent to get mad enough to make a change. We are in the process of starting a nonprofit here, and it's going to be Kansas FASD. And so Kansas, get ready, because we've got a panel of families that are together that are going to start creating something that's going to provide you hope help support and information so that you are not alone and we're going to find the doctors that can help us and we're going to get you the best access that we can and i'm so excited and we're going to start soon so 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 if any what do we call them kansas kansas f-a-s-d so is what how we're do, thinking but, but what do they do? How do they, is there an email? How do they There get is you? not yet because we are not officially by bylaws and everything, an actual nonprofit, but, but if, it is going to happen. Can we put your email or so? Can you make a Gmail or something? Yeah, I can make a Gmail and I can throw it up there for cool. you. So we don't know what it is yet, but we're going to have it on our blog. So I'll make one and give it to you. Okay. But until then, on our blog, we'll make sure that we put it up uh, because some people might say, oh, I can help. I can help get you started and all that good stuff. And subsequently, you could always email me and I can forward it to you. Is that cool? Perfect. Right. Okay. So Jeff at FASDforever.com. You could email me and say, direct me towards my fellow Kansonians. Yeah, sure. I don't know what we call it. You don't know what it is? Nope. Kansanites? I don't know. I just call this place a secondary Australia. Oh, oh yeah, because of all the mm-hmm. all the natural death outside. All the things trying to kill me, even inside my house, is pretty impressive. <laughs> oh gosh, don't even get me started. Uh, that is excellent. Let's bring your daughter in here. Okay, friends, I promised. We promised. We're bringing in the big gun here, Angelina. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. I appreciate it. Oh, no problem. I'm, I'm really excited to be on the show. <laughs> well, listen, you blew me away with just casually coming on, you know, to our coaching call uh, the other night because your mom really wanted to make sure that the rest of our group, our friends knew that you were a big part of that. And I was trying to give her all the praise and she said, mm-mm, mm-mm. we brought in the big gun and it was Angelina. So you had something prepared. And so if you could please read it and then if you don't mind, I would love to ask you some just some questions in general. Is that okay? Yeah, that's totally fine. Okay, so get closer to the mic and totally read what you wrote, what you were saying to the politicians the other day. Yeah. Okay, so this was for Congresswoman Davis. So I'm reading it as if I'm reading to Congresswoman Davis, who doesn't understand as much, and you know. That's okay. Cool. So we're all the audience. We're uh, we're Congresswoman Davis. This yeah. is uh, oh, that's weird, but we'll do it. Okay. So I said. Okay, hi, I'm, I'm Angelina, and this isn't going to be easy for me. However, I know that what I have to say will help those who can't speak up for themselves. I've known since I was little that I'm different. I know that other people my age don't lie every day without even knowing they lied, or that they don't steal food that is hurting them. For reference, I'm celiac, and I'm allergic to dairy, and those are the foods that I steal. 
I know they can devastate my body and I don't want to steal, but in the moment, I have no understanding of consequences, positive or negative. It's like my intelligence turns off and my impulsive self says, impulsive self says I want it, I take it. I don't want to lie either, but a lot of the time I literally don't think or know I'm lying. Granton, I, I'm a teenager, <laughs> mm -hmm. so I sometimes do lie on purpose. And I see my difference also in my inability to have the emotional ca capacity to connect with people my age, so I don't have friends. Yet I have a 3.9 GPA and I'm an honor student, but I'm not going to college next year because my home and my family is the only support system and environment where I'm helped and safe. Because what college or workplace will understand why a 3.9 GPA student steals food? But beneath my intelligence and face, I have struggles that deserve support and recognition like all the other FASD kids and adults. And it's frustrating knowing that there's no one in well, the United States, world, whatever you want to call it at this point, but Kansas also, who wants to or can help me and other people with FASD, that no one can help us work with our issues and help us to work around our struggles because a lot of our problems can't be changed. Like, I can't change the fact that I don't always know when I'm lying, but this bill will help them and me have the support in school and in the workforce and help educate those in the medical field so that we can succeed and learn how to manage our mental disabilities and achieve our dreams. And then I said, um, thank you to Congresswoman Davis. Buddy. Yeah. Uh, honest to gosh, that was amazing. So well-spoken. So, so brave, man. Do you comprehend? Like, how did you feel after saying publicly this? <laughs> I mean, it was kind of scary because this used to be something I hated talking about or even thinking about, you know, like I just always was like, oh my God, I don't want to think about it. This is something I don't like about myself sure. and I don't want to acknowledge it or even think it's a real thing. So it was kind of scary, but I knew it was going to help other people. And also the things I talked about weren't something I chose to do. Well, not, well, in some cases, yes, but. <laughs> like, no, we get it. We get it. Like but, I was a teenager too. And uh, <laughs> yep. you're a human being at the end of the day, but to, I don't care who you are, acknowledge, ah, here's my flaw, but there's power in acknowledging that to help other people. That's the brave part. Uh, and I wanna get it from you, where, because you said, I didn't wanna think about it, didn't wanna acknowledge it. Where did that, the transformation in terms of starting to happen? Well, let's just say I had a really rough year. A real, yeah, Jeff, I'm sure you know I had a really rough year. We're not going to get into huge details on that. No, nope, we don't need to. I was um, really just angry and, you know, I, I hated you. I hated my parents. I was mm -hmm. like, how can these people be telling me I have things wrong with me? I don't want anything to be wrong with me, you know? Or mm -hmm. And then, you know, I'm still also thinking at the same time, oh, my God, there's things wrong with me. <laughs> right. And then finally, there's this switch where I was like, oh, my God, I'm I'm hurting myself and I need help and I'm unhappy and I'm making myself unhappy, you know, and I, I feel like it was actually kind of when I went home and wasn't around all of those different triggers, all of those different people, all the drama. And I could finally just think and be like, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm doing this to myself. I'm making myself upset. And then I destroyed my relationship with my parents. And then finally I was able to be like, okay, I, 
I'm making myself unhappy. It's not my parents. They're just trying to help me. The rules they put in place is just trying to keep me safe, you know, not being able to go to friends' houses. It's not because they don't want me to go to friends' houses. It's so they don't want me to eat wheat and die. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, then as I started coming into myself, I wanted to start learning more to help myself, you know, and to understand what's going on with me. And that's when I realized that I'm not a terrible person. No I'm, it's just a symptom of the disability and you know things take time and you know it's hard to hear that things take time it's hard to hear that i can't go to college next year you know i mean i could take online classes but like not you know hearing you can't have that job or you know do the things right away but i'm like that's not my fault oh buddy that is so good did you hear her did you hear her say it's just a symptom it's like it's coming from my mouth but let me ask you this well then are you still mad at me oh no no jeff i I meant to say that i don't i'm not i don't hate you anymore (laughs) i highly appreciate you and i don't i don't hate my parents anymore because i know they're just trying to help me just as i'm now trying to learn more and help myself you know? Yeah, man. It is like people are affected in so many different ways and it's not their fault. And there's bravery in trying to get better. And what makes you better, and I'll say if I could say it like that, is and you will be more successful than neurotypical people because you are constantly striving to get better, knowing that there's your brain does certain things and it is not your fault. And there is immense power and strength in that and that's what we tell her i know you've been telling her but you're still her mother finally listening I she's listening i actually listen now oh. <laughs> she might just turn around and give me the finger every once in a while where i can't see it well that's but... the teenager part yeah what so what do you guys do then when you start to get heated you know, you maybe you're tired or, you know, it, we need a brain break. So instead of reacting and I'm OK, we're not saying everything is perfect. And sometimes we still blow up. and yep. We get mad. We're, we're oh, human. Yeah. Right. But what do you guys do together to lessen to have more good days? Well, I, you know, I still have brain days, obviously. And there's times where, you know, I still lie and stuff and we get mm-hmm. mad at each other. We're like yep. at each other. But usually mom either walks away or I send myself to my room. <laughs> I put myself in parent time out yeah. because anything that can come out of my mouth if I have jumped into my lizard brain is not going to be something that is good for me to say. So then mom goes to her room. Yep. And so it's is, not, yeah, it's is not that, healthy to send her to hers. Is that an indication to you, Angelina, that you know it's not just you, like everyone's having a tough time? you know sometimes it depends on the day sometimes it takes me a hot second until mm-hmm. she's like okay really go go away yeah. <laughs> we, we need a break and then i'm like oh okay we need a break yeah. and other days i get it right away it just depends mm-hmm. um and then usually if i'm also upset or angry at the situation i usually have to go think about it for a while to calm down and then once i'm no longer angry because when i'm emotional I don't really think that logically. <laughs> right. So, and and um, you know that that's indicative of the, of the disability. It's emotional regulation and it's not your, in a, it's your brain, right? And so giving your brain time to chill out and well, your mom also creating the environment that it's not you and you're not a bad kid. I think that's important. Well, mm-hmm. and she's also giving me that time to be able to think about it. I think that was a lot of what also has helped me now is 
actually like thinking about instead of being like, oh my God, mom did this thing to me and this sucks and it's all her fault. I can actually Mm. think about and be like, oh yeah, I stole that thing. So now she's got to do that thing. Like that's, that's a me thing. (laughs) That's kind of trying to understand a consequence, but after the fact, when she can use that so that really uh, intelligent part of her brain. That's right. And uh, yeah. the emotional, the executive functioning. And, yeah. you know, in our course, we learn about the difference, of course, from Dr. Pai about hot executive functioning and cold executive yeah. functioning and just giving yourself to not react and forget the dude's name. I'll, I'll find the quote in the post show. But uh, one of my favorite things is that space in between that time where you receive the information mm-hmm. and the data and the, between the time where you react that space in between input of the emotion and your output of your response that's where the work is and the more often you can control that the the more the better the outcomes that you will have and it sounds like you are definitely working on that it is a downright shame that there aren't supports so you could do your full potential angelina i have no doubt you'll get there and if i was to give you any advice or if you were to remember anything i ever told you things do take time but it will be worth the time and you will absolutely get there. And your mom is fighting so hard. Look, you guys are taking on the American government and you guys, are, yeah, that was a high five for our audio listeners, <laughs> but, but see what bravery can do. There's millions of kids and young adults. I, I'll call you that around, you know, the world that are struggling. What? So you said you had a really tough year. So I'll ask the same thing I asked your mom earlier in the interview. If you run into an individual on the spectrum who's going through that type of year, what would be some of the advice that you would give them? Well, I tell them to first let themselves have a break (laughs) because, you know, during that year, not only was I angry at everyone else, I was also angry at myself a lot. I hated myself. I, you know, at really hard times, I would tell myself, My parents don't deserve me. I'm just a burden to them. I would tell them to to give themselves a break, to think. And if that means that they have to, you know, take a break from their friends, because I didn't have very good friends, then just take a break. And then once you've taken that break, I would tell them to understand that we all have issues. We're not perfect. Amen. (laughs) And your issues aren't necessarily your fault. And, you know, just to accept yourself. To learn to love yourself. And that's hard. It, it takes time. It still takes me time sometimes to realize that I can love myself and, you know, be myself. And so that's what I would tell them, you know, because yeah. no one deserves to mm-hmm. be so angry at themselves and upset at themselves and be in that really dark place. So well said. Well said, man. Well said. I'm so proud of you, man. I'm so proud of both of you. Honest to God, you guys are doing an amazing job. And I and and how old are you, Angeline? Uh? Uh, I'm 17. I had to think Dude. about that for a second. Yeah. I was Dude. like, wait, yeah. I don't, yeah. I'm not sure how old. Well, I'm, I'm telling, 17, I, and she's going to be a senior this year. Oh my gosh, you're going to have everything you want as long as you keep that mindset. The world is your oyster. I swear to God, and you are going to help lots of people. What do you want to do when you grow up? You know, there's a couple things I've been thinking about. 
I actually want to be an editor for books. Okay. Um, I love writing. So hopefully at some point I can maybe publish some things. Maybe you need to be a grant writer. Maybe. I don't know. But now, <laughs> you know, with doing this advocating thing, maybe that'll lead me down a different road. Maybe I'll yeah. end up advocating more and that'll be my job. I mean, well, I don't know. Maybe you could, you could be the person teaching people about FASD. Yeah, I yeah, mean, there's there's lots of stuff like you could use all your skills. That's my point mm -hmm. is you have a lot of skills and then work on those and then get support for the deficits that things that you can't control. And, and it's about learning skills to manage that and be patient with yourself because you'll get there. This was excellent. You guys are excellent. Thank you so much for joining me, guys. Hey, will you come back as you progress throughout Absolutely. your life? Yeah, we'll keep checking sure. in with you and mom, uh, Christine, we'll keep checking in with you as you start to advocate for the country. Guys, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having us, Jeff. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been right. a pleasure. <laughs> Isn't that the greatest thing you've ever heard? I can't thank you guys enough for joining me in doing this. It was so excellent. I know we've gone over the hour, so I don't want to take too much time, but we can see what happens when change happens. And it's not easy, right? Christine herself said she was angry with me. And I must reiterate that when I'm coaching, it's not like I'm trying to, you know, piss people off. But when you're challenging beliefs or you're giving information that does challenge the way you thought and the, you know, your values and the beliefs of how you thought people were supposed to behave. And then you introduce the brain and the environment and it changes things. And once we realize this isn't willful or purposeful, and I know a lot of parents say, well, I know that, but I, it still drives me nuts. And that is true. And that's the importance of community. That's why you can't have one without the other. You just can't have just training. You can't just have community. You have to have all of it. You have to have training, respite, grief and loss work and coaching and support in order to really create that stable placement. And she jumped in and she did. Now, even listening to Angelina, what a bright kid, but still having those issues, still having the impulse issues with the food, even though she knows. And that's one of the biggest aha moments I'm hoping you take away from this is that your loved ones on the spectrum know better. Yes, they do. And you say, oh, they know better. But the problem is making the right decision in that moment. It is accessing what they know when they need to know it. And unfortunately, because some of the areas that are damaged, it's really hard for them to regulate themselves so they can access that area where they can make good decisions. So that's incumbent on us to make sure that they're in a state where they are relaxed and there's not a lot of adrenaline and cortisol pumping through their veins so they can make better decisions. That's why I never ask an individual something on the spot like that because you know you deserve the answer you get for sure. We have to make sure that they have time to chill out and are able to make the proper decision. But it's also a shame that, she, you know, she can't go to a university that she could probably sounds like at the pick of the litter of where she wants to go because people are so behind. But we could sit here and get angry. We could point fingers. We could get mad and all of that. Or we could do something about it, which Christine absolutely is by, you know, stepping up. And after years of looking around and hoping that somebody else would make the change in her state, she has to make it. So she's 
using all her skills that she's learned and some bravery, all of that good stuff. And it's going to happen for her and it can happen for you. And it doesn't have to necessarily be with me. You know, I'd love it if you wanted it to be with me and that's great. But as you got to get the education, you have to get the support. You have to have that community around you while you're learning, while you're changing your mindset and getting with a group of people who are doing it, who are going through the same thing is fantastic. You know, I have talked about this at the Caregiver Kickstart coaching program. So I will leave you with this. We have a wait list that you could jump on. You could go to fasdsuccess.com slash CKS waitlist fasdsuccess.com slash cks waitlist and it doesn't commit you to anything it's just i will let you know first when we are going to start registration and all that good stuff should be in october but we have a free workshop coming up before that so don't even worry about it we got you all taken care of because you could do this i'm going to keep bringing people who have rose from the depths man because i know how lonely it can feel and i know how confusing it could be when you seem like you're the only one going through this but that is not the case there are so many christines out there who are kicking ass and taking names and angelinas who are driving forward and growing and learning and becoming better people you know regardless of what's going on upstairs regardless of an fasd diagnosis you could do it too man so if you're feeling shitty right now there is a way out uh, you could join our free community facebook.com slash group slash fasd forever that costs zip there's over 3,000 people in there so at least get yourself in there do not be isolated isolation is the enemy isolation starts to breed resentment and we don't want that you love your kids you love your family uh, you just need the support to make sure to manage the long haul because that's what this is it is a long journey man it is not a sprint but a marathon and sometimes to make a marathon a little bit easier we're just going to change your shoes that's it we're going to put on some comfy shoes so when you're going on your journey it's not like walking over rocks because that's i heard that somewhere it's it's not the climbing of the mountain, but it's the pebble in your shoe that you, every time you take a step that digs into your heel. We'll change your shoes. We'll remove the pebble. I don't know what kind of effing metaphor that was, but I love you. I can't wait to see you back here next week. So keep grinding. Keep up the hard work. And uh, I, I love you, and, and we'll see you next week. Until then, bye.